We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Didn't do what Swaggy P do. <laughs> Teammates played great, and we um, came out with the victory, you know? I'm just trying to really get my, my NBA 2K rating up. I, can, I, can, I just cannot take it. I, 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 I can't take it. You know, it's 12.02 right now. If they want to fire me at 12.05, I'll go home and find something to do. I'll have a good day. Welcome to the Roadwire NBA podcast. It is Thursday, September 5th. Nick Whalen here with Alex Barutha. Alex, uh, we're going to have to scratch and claw for some topics, uh, at least newsworthy topics at this point in the NBA calendar. Um, we, we had a few a few news items this time last week, but we're kind of in a bit of a lull. Uh, I guess we can start with Team USA. Team USA is back, I think, officially. <laughs> um, everybody was really, really down uh, on USA earlier this week after they barely got by turkey uh but they took care of japan uh, a tough japan team earlier this morning um i was not awake to watch this I, I don't think many people were but team usa wins 98 to 45 this is a game that at one point they were up 88 
to 31 heading into the fourth <laughs> quarter and then at that point they kind of called off the dogs and the fourth quarter was was played evenly but could have been a lot more lopsided uh this is exactly what we expected you know right. against a japan team that's just talent wise is nowhere near the level of of the usa or, or even teams like australia spain serbia um and a lot of the other top teams in this tournament not a lot of takeaways on the usa side uh jalen brown led the way with 22 points donovan mitchell was a plus 51 in just under 23 minutes he had 16 points no jason tatum no marcus smart um guys who probably would have played if this was serbia or spain or maybe turkey again um but they were held out for injury reasons one of the interesting things on the japanese side rui hachimura only four points he was he was a minus 48 uh, obviously working with inferior talent but had probably the highlight play of the game made the drive into the lane and a huge dunk over miles turner um not not a lot of takeaways from this game specifically with Hachimura, but you know as we go through and do the projections and look at the rankings, he's kind of emerging as maybe the fourth or fifth rookie to to target out of this class. Yeah, I think so. Just because the I mean the Wizards, and we might get to this later. The Wizards front court rotation, or I guess Ooh. forward rotation, is like it almost feels deliberately bad, like to make room for Hachimura. The fact that they haven't brought in more depth is what's what's strange and we've seen other bad teams like charlotte new york you know are kind of stockpiling terrible options washington hasn't even taken that step you know like their their center and power forward depth chart is thomas bryant mo wagner jan mahimi at center hachimura and bertans at power forward and then the backups at power forward are the backup centers wagner and and bryant so right it does seem maybe at some point there they bring someone else in. I I don't know who that is. You know, there's not an obvious candidate. Um, you know, kind of more like who they brought in at small forward, CJ Miles. You know, you, you, I would have thought they would have brought in. You know, they would have been like a weird that young team or a guy like that, just somebody to placehold and give you a slightly above league average player. And they've kind of gone in the opposite direction. I was actually looking at uh, division winning odds earlier this morning that i don't have the exact numbers in front of me but they're they're in the same division obviously as as charlotte the southeast and their odds to win the division are significantly higher than charlotte's and i i think these teams could be pretty close to equally bad uh, you know obviously washington has brad beal and that's probably yeah. the tiebreaker but they might not have brad beal at some <laughs> point and, and beyond beal these rosters are pretty comparable and, and charlotte might actually have more veteran depth yeah, I think I think the thought maybe is Beal. I mean, Beal gives them a higher ceiling, and then also if they theoretically trade Beal, the piece that they get yeah. back might be competent, as opposed to the Hornets, who essentially have no pathway to get better unless they well, somehow find someone. They to may take flip Nick that Batum. Bayambo deal. And- yeah, <laughs> Batum for another year. Um, but yeah, I mean Hachimura right now we have him projected for just under thirty minutes. I think he could go over that. I mean, there's a there's a chance he could um like yeah you know, i mean i know we're always kind of skittish about you know over projecting especially rookies who have yeah, no I mean, track record in the fair. nba but like you said i i don't know where the minutes you know who like, are him and Bertans just going to play 24 minutes each the entire way I, I don't think so you know that at some point one of them's probably going to get hurt and if Bertans goes down for two weeks i i don't know who you know you're not going to play admiral schofield 20 plus minutes a night i it, it's a it's a an interesting situation that could be strangely beneficial i think for fantasy owners i think so um but that's enough team usa talk they get greece saturday morning should be a fun game one that team usa should win uh although greece bounced back to to obviously earn the berth into the second round uh with a win they have Giannis, they have nick Kalathis. not a whole lot beyond that uh the i believe is on the team as well but 
Uh, not a lot of NBA level talent. In terms of odds, Team USA is still minus 110 to win the tournament, but only a slight favorite over Serbia at plus 145, Australia plus 1700, France plus 1700, Spain 1900, and Greece 2100. So the odds makers think it's going to be USA or Serbia. One, actually, I shouldn't. I shouldn't have said we're done with Team USA talks. Really, not even close. Um, <laughs> on the low post the other day, they were discussing you know who else should be on Team USA, and I wanted to pose you that same question. You know, I think Aaron Gordon is a name who came up. Right. Almost anyone else that you would think of was invited or was a part of the junior team and dropped out. You know, I, I don't think there were necessarily these grave mistakes in terms of who was in the player pool. I think. You know, looking back, and you know, Team USA is two and zero, and they could very well win the tournament, and all this will be moot. But I, I think some of the guys who ended up being cut, some of the guys like De'Aaron Fox and Trey Young, who who walked away for, I wouldn't say mysterious reasons, but you know, kind of unknown reasons, uh, maybe nepotism type reasons, with with a guy like Derek White being on the team over over players like Fox and Young. Um, it just seems like they could use a little bit more firepower really all over the roster you know the backcourt is probably the strength of this team right with with guys like Kemba Walker and, and Donovan Mitchell but um you know as Zach Lowe noted the other day there's no really true power forwards on this team Mason Plumley, for some reason is on this team like to, to me I'd rather see a a Marvin Bagley you know over someone like Plumley, someone someone who you know maybe isn't as established of a player but whose ceiling you know we could really we could really see in the setting of John Collins maybe right I agree and like I uh three guys kind of stand out but maybe i have blake griffin highlighted doesn't really make a lot of sense considering his injury history i mean there's no reason for him to play extra basketball but griffin would be i mean on this team would in an ideal world sure yeah yeah um would be able to provide ball handling would have size to play center you could just completely take advantage of teams that try to switch um or play zone um julius randall also a guy that i thought could have been good um i'm probably higher on him than a lot of other people but he's still a guy who can average like 20 and 10 if you play him at center and then um we're talking about a little bit before the pod tobias harris would have been an upgrade over harrison barnes was invited and dropped out but right yeah that that caliber of player i think for sure yeah yeah it's like i said you know you can kind of scroll through some of the statistical leaders last season and you know part of this is so many of the young talented guys are just not american you know carl towns for example has played for the dominican so he's ineligible um but it, you know and it, it's not that hard to, to to find guys who you'd at least like to kind of get a tryout in the setting so it, it'll be interesting to see how this the rest of this tournament transpires I, I think even if team usa wins it in relatively unconvincing fashion this will all blow over really quickly but right. as we saw when it, it looked like for most of that second half uh, or at least late in the game against turkey when it looked like they were going to lose that game all of a sudden, people get up in arms very quickly uh, about how this team is constructed and and you know the state of Team USA basketball. Um, so if if the USA ends up bowing out and finishes second or third in this tournament, um, I think it'll kind of be a reset of the cycle that started back in 04. You know that ultimately led to those really really strong Olympic teams in 08, right. 2012 especially, and and 2016 as well. Yeah, I mean, I think just the USA teams, they're going to do as little as possible to stay competitive. Yes. And then when it finally breaks, then they'll be like, oh, okay, we'll right. throw out this team. Yep, exactly. And I think one thing to keep in mind, too, is it's this is the FIBA World Cup. This isn't the Olympics. Right. And guys, I, I think a lot of players, especially kind of these mid-tier stars, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody bats an eye when Curry or LeBron or Harden no. don't want to play in FIBA. But, you know, guys like Lillard, um, kind of Devin Booker have taken some heat, you know, from from some people 
for not wanting to play. And I think if it, if it were the Olympics, it would be a, a totally different story. For sure. So we don't really have any, you know, fantasy or league shifting news uh, at all this, this week. I mean, the only thing I could really come up with is Rodian's Curix, uh, Kuruks, excuse me, uh, from the Brooklyn Nets in a little bit of hot water legally. Um, right. I think he was involved back in late June in a domestic dispute with his girlfriend not really clear where this is going to go. It it seemed like a pretty big deal earlier this week when it came out, and then we haven't heard anything since. Yeah. Um, but you know, the league is, and you know, sports leagues in general, I think, are under a lot of pressure in this day and age to to act in situations like this, where where in the past maybe they they would wait. Um, so we'll wait to see how the legal battle plays out. But you know, we just saw Wilson Chandler get suspended twenty five games right. last week for Brooklyn, and you know, if Kuruks ends up missing some time because of this. Um, you know, I, I think the guy we highlighted last week, Torian Prince, becomes even more appealing. Yeah, I mean, he's someone who, you know, he was, like, supposed to break out last year, quote-unquote. Like, he was everyone's sleeper breakout guy in fantasy. Yeah. Um, still played 30 minutes, like, was a productive player, but didn't take the leap a lot of people thought. And, I mean, if, at this point, you know, I, I think he could play 30 minutes a game anyway because he can play both forward spots. Um, but, yeah, if, if this Kuruk situation ends up, you know, not – I guess not being good, um, then he could, I mean, Prince could push up to like 35 minutes a game almost. I mean, if Karuk's misses real time, because the, the Nets don't really have power, like other power forward options at all. Um, unless yeah. they want to try to get creative with like Karis Levert, but they lost Ronda Hellas Jefferson. They don't have Damari Carroll anymore. Alan Crabb, um, wasn't really a power forward, but he's also gone. So, yeah, I'm not. I'm not really sure what they would do the power forward position other than just give a ton of minutes to Prince. Mm-hmm. In Atlanta, for what it's worth, I mean, Prince was basically an 80-20 in favor of small forward uh, right. in terms of where his minutes came. So not an ideal fit. They'd kind of have to shoehorn him in there. But like you said, they don't really have another obvious option. They don't even have you know kind of a, a veteran option that you could turn to. Um, you know, beyond beyond those three that we mentioned, it's David and Waba. It's a rookie and Nick Claxton who right. might even be a little bit more of a center. You have Henry Ellenson, who's kind of on a on a G League deal. Dang Adele, you know, guys who just don't really have any experience. And, and there's an obvious placeholder here in, in Kevin Durant for next sure. season. But you know, I, they're going to be without Wilson Chandler until mid December, so th- it's it's something they'll have to consider to to avoid kind of getting off to a slow start. Is there a chance that if Jared Allen is actually an improved three point shooter, they play him and Jordan together? I don't think so. I mean, they might try they might, for they a might couple have to minutes. For, yeah, right. At some point, I mean, let's say Kuruks is suspended for the first ten games of the year, which is probably probably harsh. But let's say that happens. I, I don't. I don't know how much you want to be playing and Waba and Claxton, who's a second round pick. You know, I, I think. I think they'll at least try it. They might, or they could just go super small. I yeah. mean, they might also do like an Irving, Dinwiddie, Lavert, Joe Harris, and yeah. then Jared Allen or DeAndre. But that would also, I mean, that would still leave them incredibly right. thin. Speaking of incredibly thin, yeah. Dwight Howard. <laughs> I, why is he so skinny? Did was, did he have any weight problems before? Like, I, f- I feel like when he was at his best, he was huge and physically dominating everyone. Like there was, it was, it never seemed like a situation where. Dwight Howard needed to lose 30 pounds and he'd be so much better. Maybe it's the strain on his back, which, I think, which has caused him issues, but I, I'm a little uncomfortable with how skinny he is. I think it's almost entirely the back. Um, you know, we we saw him basically miss all of last season with it. He would occasionally just miss games because of the sore yep. back. And so, you know, losing however, I don't, I don't know how much weight he's down, easily 20 pounds it yeah. looks like. Well, his neck looks like it's lost 20 pounds. Right. <laughs> so um, I think that's the only... 
Um, I think that's the only reason is his back. But at the same time, yeah, we his when he was playing at his best, he was basically pushing people around. You know, he's he's tried in the past to add like a jumper, and he's had like kind of a good running hook and a spin, and maybe those get better. But I'm not really sure. I don't really expect him to be like jumping any higher and catching lobs because of this, like at the, some crazy level, no. like it was back in 2012. But yeah, it's it's weird to see him. This mm-hmm. thing is skinny for sure. Yes, it is. Okay, so the other day I asked you to come up with a few kind of take it or leave it type of bets, right. um, almost bold predictions, I guess, in some ways where you're essentially, or you and I are essentially daring each other to take these bets, <laughs> um, just, just to kind of force ourselves to, to have some discussions because, like we said, there's not a whole lot going on right now. Um, but the first one that I came up with, uh, there's really no parameters for this. Anything NBA-related, team, player, coach, fantasy, whatever you want it to be. Um, I said that I think the Suns will win 25 or fewer games for a fifth consecutive year. This is sad. Um, I I don't think so. I think they'll go over, um, which it it shouldn't feel like a hot take because this team, they made actual... It wasn't like... The improvements they made last year were like fake improvements. For it's right. like, hey, we have like Ryan Anderson now. And, and Ariza, baby. And Ariza. Yeah, that, that was not real. Um, now they have Rubio, um, which seems like a very conscious decision. Um, you know, like... The Rubio situation with Devin Booker, or excuse me, Donovan Mitchell, they had no idea what Donovan Mitchell would become when they added Ricky Rubio. And so their plan was like, hey, we'll try this Rubio thing, and then it didn't work out. But the Suns think they know who Devin Booker is, and they're like, no, we we want a point guard next to him. So it's a it's a more conscious decision that way. Oubre was good for them. I'm not 100% convinced he's as good as he played last season for them. But um, Sarge is an interesting ad. I think Aiden has a potential to be a 20 and 10 guy. Um, new coach won't hurt. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine adding Monty Williams like hurting the team's potential. But yeah. um, at the same time, they're in the West and all like every other team is good. Uh, so <laughs> not a lot of easy right. wins here. That's kind of my argument. I mean, they they have significantly more talent. Uh, guys that you feel good about young players than the other you know doormats in the league you know I, I would say they have as much if not more talent than memphis they have more talent than the Cavs. they have a bunch pro- of east teams yeah, yeah. they have you, know, you could maybe argue about the knicks just because like they have this kind of weird veteran depth now um but in terms in terms of young guys i mean devin booker even though he has some some pretty major faults as an overall player I mean, that's one of the best under 25 players in the yep. entire league and, and any team would want that guy to develop they have more talent you know i think they're they're kind of similar to the hawks in some ways where you have a lot of pieces that you like and you feel like they should continue to be growing and what we saw in atlanta last year was a terrible year two years ago they add trey young and all of a sudden they almost won 30 games last year and the suns just even though they keep adding more talent you know deandre ayton by all accounts had a great year right. last season and it just didn't matter they won fewer games after adding <laughs> him you know they, they were a 19 win team last year despite having a guy who averaged 27 a game in Devin Booker as an age 22 player TJ Warren gave him half a season but was really good in that half season you mentioned Kelly Oubre was great after the trade um you know a a lot of it has had to do with bad drafting you know they they botched the entire Bender Chris draft both those guys are gone they botched the Josh Jackson pick he's gone um but even with that you know they they've they've botched these high picks but they've hit on um a guy like Booker, you know, in the late lottery. So 
I, I don't know what to expect from them this year. I just I just think there's very little reason, given that this core is back, you know, and you add Ricky Rubio, who I think I'm lower on probably than you. I, I think sure. he's a terrible fit with this team. Um, I, I just I don't know what's going to account for six more wins when the rest of the West is super deep and even a lot of the East is deep. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to look at their schedule and say like, all right, there's a win, there's a win, there's a win. <laughs> you have to count up 26 of those. Yeah. No way. I mean, they it's possible they just yeah beat up on the bad eastern conference teams <laughs> but they only play them twice you know and like That's what teams true. are those cleveland the knicks the wizards and the hornets are they going to go eight no in those games I, they did possible. beat the bucks last year did they beat that them twice uh, i think so actually i believe yeah. they did yeah um buck stoppers that's not um, happening again <laughs> no but i don't know i mean booker only played 64 games last year i feel like if he plays if he can play 80 games they should at least win like you know a third of those mm-hmm. um i mean their minutes leader was mikhail bridges which shouldn't happen this season and josh jackson played like two thousand minutes yeah. for them so maybe just getting rid of josh jackson is enough. they had to pay <laughs> to get rid of josh jackson so number four overall pick two years later <laughs> yeah i uh i was wrong about josh jackson james and i both liked him a lot i mean i, I wouldn't say i thought he was going to be like a jason tatum type right. of impact player but i didn't i thought he would be a good enough defender that you know, at the very least, he would have some kind of Marcus Smarty type of value where maybe not that maybe not to that extent on the defensive end. But even if his, you know, offensive abilities, which they clearly have lag behind, he would still be valuable enough on the other end that you'd want to keep him around. And I would imagine that there's some other stuff behind the scenes. You know, you don't just move on from a number four overall pick for that return, you know, very quietly in the middle of the offseason like that. No, even the even the Hornets have like committed to Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Yeah, and like it was kind of right. a pretty similar situation. Like sure. a guy who's supposed to be like, oh, what's the worst case scenario? Is a good exactly. defender, but now it's yep. uh, we're, we're really unsure. Well, what's interesting about Jackson too is when would they have had to trade him to get value midway through his rookie year? Like it was clear very early <laughs> right. on that he was struggling, and you know you don't want to be the team that gives up on a number four pick that early. But I think it says a lot that that was the best return they could get. You know, only two years in, this isn't this isn't at the end of his rookie deal, and then you have to be the team to sign him. You know, kind of an Ubre type of situation. Right, and he's not. It's not like he's. He, it wasn't like he was an old rookie. Oh, either was he twenty one, twenty two? Yeah, I think he might be old for his class, but no, I mean not in the grand scheme of of young players, not at all. Right. Uh, okay, next one I have for you by February six, which is the trade deadline. Bradley Beal, Kevin Love, and Chris Paul will play for different teams than they started the season with. <laughs> I mean, I want I want this to be true so badly. I think I have to take this, okay. even though. Um, Take it as in you agree, or I, you'll bet that all three are not on different teams. Um, I I would take I I don't know if I would like. I don't think this would be. I, I think if you if this was a real bet, I think it would be plus money. Like I don't think it would be. Yeah. But at the same time, I think the Wizards. I mean, keeping Bradley Beal for this entire season would be negligence. Yeah. Basically, I mean, similar to the. <laughs> Well, not entirely similar. When the Grizzlies kept Tyreek Evans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is not where I thought you were. <laughs> Who would you rather have, Beal or Evans? Uh, well, um, <laughs> no, I think you're right, though. I think if I drop this down to two of the three, then maybe it's not yeah. plus money. But yeah, I mean, it's admittedly, it's a, a leap, but also very possible. Yeah. And if, yeah, I mean, Kevin Love, again, no reason he should be on. Yeah. I mean, he, same with Chris Paul. I mean, there's just no reason these players should be on. Right. And well, who's the least likely to be dealt of those three? Um,. I think kevin love i was gonna say paul just because of the contract interesting yeah it might be hard uh i don't know i guess yeah there's so few teams that need a point guard 
Um, that I think that that also factors into it. Unless some team like the Magic just yeah decides and like maybe they would, uh, you know, Fultz for Chris Paul straight up. Um, but well, yeah, I think. I mean, I think I think there's enough landing spots for Love because he's a he's a two position guy. You could get away with playing him like 26 minutes a game at power forward and center on a lot mm-hmm. of different teams, and and get away with that. But um, so what are the teams know. for these guys? You know, Paul is kind of a an outlier just because you have to make the money work. You know, you almost need to include another massive contract. And for Orlando, that would be tough. You know, you're assuming they're not going to send Vooch back. You'd have to kind of build it around maybe like the the new Aminu deal, and you, you, I don't, anyway, it'd be harder for them to manufacture a deal like that. Yeah, but I think Denver is one of those teams. They have that Millsap, uh, twenty million dollars just sitting there expiring. Yeah, the more I think about that, you know, we talked about them bringing him back as a luxury on the last podcast, which is true. I, I think that's that's the vision, but. If at some point that that goes sour, that becomes a, a super valuable expiring contract. Right. If they attach picks to it, or maybe a couple yeah. of young guys, because they have so many. Well, just young having guys. that that amount of money, and and for a player who's a good locker room guy, who right, you don't have to worry about in a new destination, and who's just off the books in a few months. Um, so yeah, Denver certainly can, can trump just about anyone you would think in one of those deals. I, I think Kevin Love would be a, a very tantalizing fit with them. They don't yeah. really need Chris Paul. Um, Portland, Portland needs some uh, power forward. Portland for for Kevin Love. What if the D'Angelo Russell thing doesn't work out? Does does he become the headliner in an attempt to get Beal? Or I mean, would Golden State wanted Kevin Love what six years ago? I don't, <laughs> I don't know if the luster is worn off. Probably given how he's played against them. Um, I mean, they might at this point. I mean, they might they might take a chance. I mean, you you would still have you know. Yeah, I mean, just like what D'Angelo Russell for for Kevin Love. It would, ha- uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, I well, well, let's say about Beal first. So, what if okay. Golden State offers Russell, player X, and you know, two first rounders for Bradley Beal? I don't have the contracts in front of me, but I, I feel like they would match up pretty closely money wise after Russell signed right. that extension. I feel like I feel like both sides would do that. I well, would if you're. Washington would you rather have that or would you rather have Paul Millsaps expiring Gary Harris and I take your pick of like Jeremy Grant or Michael Porter or uh, Monte Morris you know Malik Beasley you know any of those role players if you're getting Bradley Beal I think you're willing to part with just about any of those guys yeah I think I think I would want D'Angelo Russell I think I would take the like the the most the most talent possible I think a lot of it is going to depend on how he looks in Golden State. That's true. But yeah, yeah I, I think you generally, I think you want the one blue chipper, right? Yeah. Over a bunch of kind of B-list guys. And like Gary Harris is really good and, and Denver can tweak that package however Washington would want it. But at least Denver, like a team like Golden State only has Russell basically as their one asset, right? tangible asset, not counting picks. Whereas Denver has other role players they can throw in. So that, that, that makes it a little bit more interesting I mean, are there any other teams out there that could stock that that could compile a deal for Beal? Yeah, or any of those guys. I mean, San Antonio is kind of lurking. The, yeah, I mean, you, know, you could trade DeRozan, you could trade Aldridge. Right. If yeah, the San Antonio. I mean, they have some young guys who are interesting. Like, I don't know if they're ready to give up on or trade Murray. Um, I mean, I'd, be interesting though. If if the Thunder were willing to give up Chris Paul for Dejounte Murray. And they could have Dejounte Murray and Shagel just Alexander backcourt. That would be crazy, right? Um, and that that would be a lot of fun. I like that one. Yeah. Um, and I mean, 
I feel like Minnesota has to do something. Yeah. You have Carl Towns. Um, you it, like you can't go back into tanking mode because if you go back into no. tanking mode, then you're just going to lose him probably. They're on a collision course right now to finish with like 35 wins for the next three years, yeah. which is exactly where you do not want to be. So, yeah, I mean, what's the deal for them? Covington, T, like anybody but Towns basically is on the table? Yes. I mean, they're, <laughs> no one else on their roster is any like significant trade value, I don't think. No. Um, yeah, that's that's one of those teams where like, let's say you offer Covington, Akogi, you know, whoever else, Culver even. Like, I think Denver can trump that. Probably. Right? Yeah. yeah Minnesota's in a tough spot. They might, they might kind of have to, if they are in the market for a deal like that, they might have to settle for the second or third option i don't think they're going to trade for kevin love i will say that right i think i think dallas is kind of interesting yeah um if i mean they could i mean they could trade for either beal or love i think would be good fits um like love next to Porzingis would be really interesting we just have a pretty great floor spacing yeah i don't Um, know what they have to give up though I, i i don't think dallas has the pieces that's true you have the hardaway deal but nobody wants that and i mean of their young assets I guess you could throw Delon right in there, but you know he just signed an extension. I don't. I don't know if other teams want to take on three years of him if they're not in love with him. Right. Justin Jackson to me not a great asset. Jalen Brunson, you know, he's the third or fourth guy in a trade. He's not going to headline it. So I, I, I think I have to disagree that Dallas is in that conversation. I mean, do you think there's any? Do you think Boston at all? I mean, Jalen Brown, the Jalen Brown situation. Um, they probably, I mean, they can't get anything for Hayward unless he ends up being thirty-four really good. million dollar player option for 2020, 2021. Yeah, so I think if, if you're going to trade Hayward, it's probably next summer or next season. I think it's still, unless he looks great, which at that point they probably don't want to trade him. Right. I I just don't know if you can. I I don't know if. I mean, maybe the Cavs would take Jalen Brown for Kevin Love. I mean, they might take anything for Kevin Love at this point. Oh, I, I think don't that's think, a great deal. I don't. I don't know if the Wizards. I think the Wizards could probably hold out for more than Jalen Brown. Yeah, and you know you're not throwing Tatum in a deal for Beal, and and as no. it stands right now, if it's not Tatum, I don't know if there's another second option. You know, unless you're super in love with Carson Edwards or <laughs> you know Robert Williams, I, I don't think any of those guys are quite good enough. What about New Orleans? Um, yeah, I mean they they do have a they kind of have a stockpile of assets. I mean at this point they have arguably the most assets in the league. Right. All the picks, I. I mean, just to bring in Beal and have Beal and Drew Holiday send out Lonzo, maybe send out Ingram. I think if you want to be really ruthless, you just send Redick for the money, and then you right. you attach a few of those first round picks. I mean, that's a big part. As, as much as they wanted to get Lonzo and Hart and Ingram, I think getting all those picks and only having to use like half of them to get a player like Beal, right. still having more into the middle of the next decade, is so big um and, and even beyond that you know like i think a lot of teams would love to get their hands on alexander walker who could right. very easily be this year's shea gilgis alexander jackson hayes a lot of upside um i guess i'm just saying like if zion comes out and looks great and this team is in like third place in the west in mid-january and they say like screw it we're just gonna go for it right you know i think and someone like beal is out there or kevin love or you know star x who we don't know is on the market they they might be the team even over denver with all those picks that could trump just about anyone yeah, that would be really interesting. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's a possibility. I mean, I'm not, I'm not convinced that they'll be amazing. I think, I mean, I, I forgot what their over under is. It's like low forties, high thirties. Uh, 
I, th- I want to say like 40 and a half. I, okay. I could be wrong. I'll try yeah, to get that for you. Very much a fringe, um, like ninth seed. I mean, it's not really a seed, but yeah. um, they, I mean, they have, they have, you know, if Lonzo Ball can, can have kind of a, a bounce back year or just be healthy enough to like play um, and Ingram can take another step forward. I'm probably higher in Ingram than most people are, but Derek Favors is interesting at center. Yep. Um, and they just have, they have a tongue of depth, a uh, tongue of wing depth, and they can play with a lot of different lineups, create a bunch of mismatches, stuff like that. If they could go into March with like a starting five of Drew Holiday, Bradley Beal, Zion Williamson, uh, you know, Brandon Ingram and Derek Favors. That's really that's, nice. Uh, that's deeper than some of, you know, maybe not the Clippers, but deeper than the Lakers, maybe not quite as talented at the top. Um, and you know, assuming that Beal stays there long term, that becomes a, a really interesting situation. Right. Um, okay, that somehow spiraled from just our second bet. Uh, my, <laughs> my next one is I've I've paraded this many times on this podcast, but the Denver Nuggets will finish with the most wins, not only in the West but in the NBA. I this is possible, but I wouldn't take the bet because I think I mean the I mean the Bucks. And the 76ers have such an opportunity to destroy every other team in the East. Right. Potentially. I, I just think the West is going to create, uh, I think it's just going to be really flat at the top. But I mean, I'm, we're both high on Denver. I mean, there's no, yep. you know, I would, Denver would be my favorite value bet to win the title to, you know, finish with number one seed, like yep. everything like that, Yogesh for MVP. But it's hard it's it's tough for me to say that they'll they'll have the best record in the NBA. They have the same odds as Utah in the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the division, which to me is crazy. I, I I like Utah, but I think Denver is just so much deeper. Denver is so deep; like their their room for error is so big. I mean, I like three of their starters could get hurt, which is basically what happened last yeah. year, and they still finished with fifty four wins. Right? It was they kind of you know kind of sputtered to the finish line and got right. to fifty four, and the team that finished with more than them, Golden State, is going to drop down um i do agree with you though the tougher schedule will will kind of even things out uh but part of this too is milwaukee finished with 60 wins last year i think they regress in some ways it it did feel like everything broke right for them last year other than the brogdon injury which honestly from a wins losses perspective didn't really have much of an impact i I think losing him now for 82 full games will will be an issue and i i I'm a little worried that Wes Matthews is going to play a lot. He has not been good in recent years. I think he's more of a name, especially around here in Wisconsin, right. than he is a high-level producer at this point. Um, you're asking a lot of George Hill. So mm-hmm. it's part of me is I love Denver. I'm all in on them as a regular season juggernaut. And then part of it is I think Milwaukee maybe takes a slight step back. You know, if, if Milwaukee wins 57 and Denver wins 58, that's kind of how I see this going. You know, I, I don't see them blowing Milwaukee or Philly out of the water. Right. Like, yeah, I could understand taking the under on Milwaukee's wins sure. because their roster is thinner than yeah. it was last year and their incentive. Like, they know, they, I mean, the Bucks know they're a yes. top two seed in the East. They're the pressure to play right. anybody significant minutes, the the pressure to, I mean, you could rest Giannis yes. on a, probably a few back to backs and not, it wouldn't matter. Maybe every back to back and it right. wouldn't matter. Not that I think they'll necessarily do that, but I mean, Toronto's worse. Toronto's a 58 win team. Yeah. Um, they're, you can probably chalk them up to like 10 fewer wins where are you at on toronto overall by the way i've I've heard so many differing opinions i it's come to my attention that i'm very low on toronto relative to most people i'm so like i'm so back and forth on them i think like if i had to take the over under i would take the under because i think the chances of them if they get off to a like a 
500 start or worse, um, I think they'll just phone it in and they'll try to trade Lowry and Ibaka and Gasol and just, you know, the whole thing. But there is the potential for Lowry. I mean, I think Lowry's underrated. I'm not out on Serge Ibaka as a player. Um, and, I mean, the ceiling for Siakam is so high. Um, he could turn into an all-star easily. And, you know, I mean, there's a chance, yeah, if they can beat up on some teams and surprise some people, they'll, you know, coach Nick Nurse, he's a good coach. Maybe they win 48 games. Maybe they sneak into, like, the fourth spot. Um, I wouldn't pick them over Boston, but I think, yeah, from an over-under perspective, I would take the under just because mm-hmm. of, you know, the possibility that they, you know, the whole thing implodes. That's all fair. I, I I made this case to James a while back when we did our over-unders pod. I went under, he went over on Toronto. I, I just think they've everything was building towards last year. They accomplished that goal. Right. The guy who carried them in all facets of the game to that goal is now gone. I, I just like I, I have a hard time believing that that group is going to look each other in the eye and be like, "We're we're going to run this back. We're going to defend our title." Like they know where they stand without Kawhi. Yeah. They were almost you could tell that team was like in awe of Kawhi down the stretch. You know, I, I mean, it, this isn't quite LeBron leaving Cleveland because there was just so much. You know, there's so little left on that roster, and, and Toronto has more um more veterans more continuity a better coach etc um so it's not like they're going to be a 22 win team but i I just think we're going to find out very quickly you know if we think Kawhi is this good removing him from this team should be a bigger deal you know i I just can't some people think this is going to be like a borderline 50 win team without the guy who we ended last season believing is the best player in the league that to me that doesn't doesn't add up they didn't replace him with anybody except stanley johnson yeah and you and you factor in that the fact that the the whole point of making the trade was that, hey, we want to blow this team up yes, anyway. Besides wanting to blow him up for a while, like now he has the <laughs> ultimate license to do it. He's probably, can you imagine for like four years, he's probably been scouting out like every single scenario to, to, to yes. blow this team up and it's finally come to fruition. Right. And yeah. Like I said, I, maybe they get off to a hot start and they try to keep it going. But if it if this team starts to feel 500, I think they'll just pull the plug. Yep. I mean, like you said, Siakam is the wild card. I think he's, if Siakam isn't, doesn't make the jump he did last year, I think the Raptors and hype might even be a strong word, but the belief in the Raptors is probably quite a bit lower than it is now because we don't know. Like he he was so good at times last year that there is the possibility that he becomes eighty percent of what Kawhi was, and and this team just kind of keeps chugging along. But either way, there's not much of a future with this group with no. Gasol, with Ibaka, with Lowry. You know, I I think at some point we're we're gonna hit a reset, whether it's this year or or next year. Um, do you want to throw me a couple of yours? Yeah, I didn't have that many, but one of mine is that Anthony Davis will win Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, if it's Davis or the field, I guess I would take the field, but I, I think that's well within the realm of possibility. I think he's, I think he's finished in the top three, either maybe once or twice. I mean, he's he has the stats for it. I mean, if you're talking about like steals and blocks combined, yeah. I mean, generally, first of all, I mean, generally it's a big man that wins it. So you're talking about someone who blocks a lot of shots, which Anthony Davis does. Um, Per 36 minutes for his career, he's two and a half blocks, 1.4 steals. Just raw numbers alone should get it done. There really was no precedent for giving him the award considering, I mean, he was injured some years, but also the Pelicans were never really that good. I mean, what was the argument? Like, you know, you're going to give a non-playoff team, uh, you know, give a guy in that team defensive player of the year. An an interesting comp, I think, would be Garnett, who didn't win it until he went to the Celtics the first year. Right. I just think, I, I think Anthony Davis is like a top, I mean, he's so some people might consider him a top five player overall, top three player overall, and he's definitely a top five defensive player. I don't think there's any question about that. 
and you put them on a good team with a ton of exposure in LA, if they, you know, if they're a top 10 defensive team, um, and he puts up, you know, those numbers, maybe even better numbers, I think he's, there's, there's really good value in it to bet it, but also just outright. Like, I think he's, he's a strong favorite. My, uh, reluctance there is I don't know that they'll be a very good defensive team right. and that might hurt him overall uh, but to me I, this award is just kind of add up blocks and steals and sort and I think that's how <laughs> a lot of people vote you know so if he if he gets to like close to three blocks a game he'll be right in the conversation two years ago when he played 75 games he finished third behind Gobert and Embiid he was close to finishing second but he was still a distant third behind Gobert who had 56 games played you know he played 19 more games than Gobert and still wasn't all that close so Part of it, part of the, the reasons that might help him, if you assume he plays a full season this year, Gobert's probably not winning it a third year in a row. There might be some voter fatigue. We've seen guys, Ben Wallace, Dwight Howard, do that. Um, but those kind of felt like no brainers. And it, 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 I speak, you know, maybe you can correct me on this if I'm wrong, but it does feel to me like Gobert's just been the default winner these last two years. Like, it, yeah. There's, it, there's been an opening for someone else and no one else has grabbed it from him. He hasn't had these ridiculous transcendent defensive years, and at least in my mind. Embiid finished ahead of him two years ago, like I said. Let's assume he caps at fifty, you know, sixty-five games. You know, and Davis plays seventy-seven. You know, maybe that that breaks the tie there. Um, so I, I think I like this from a value perspective. Yeah, I think it's hard to. I mean, Embiid should be a favorite, but it's hard to give. You know, mm-hmm. if, if he only got play sixty-five games the rest of his career, the chances of him winning it are so low, even if yeah. he has the stats. You know, yeah. unless Philly's literally the best defensive team in the league, which is very possible this year. Sure. You hinted that. This award is not often won by non-big men. So Kawhi won it in 2015 and 2016. Can you name the four other players in NBA history who are not a true power forward or center who have won the Defensive Player of the Year award? Did Jordan ever win it? He did. Oh, excuse me, five. I, I forgot about Michael Jordan. <laughs> uh, so that's one. Gary Payton. Gary Payton in 1996. Um, I don't know. Sidney Moncrief won the first two defensive player of the years in yeah 83 and 84 that's tough Alvin Robertson in 86 another tough one uh and then one the most recent of all these besides Kawhi 0304 I don't know yep. Metal World Peace oh my god Ben Ron Artest I believe okay yeah so he forgot about him yeah, there was a long gap between him in 04 and Kawhi in 2015, where it was pretty much dominated by centers. Wallace, Camby, Garnett, Howard, 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 Chandler, Gasol, Joe Kim Noah snuck in there. I mean, I, I just think, I think ideally the award should go to the most versatile defender yeah, in, in an ideal world. But I don't the, love this being a big man award. Right. But the problem is it's hard to measure if you're not using steals and blocks. Yep. And generally, guys who are getting the most steals aren't getting as many blocks. James Harden's not going to win Defensive Player of the Year. Right. And, I I mean, Anthony Davis is theoretically like a a versatile defender. He should be able to guard small forward through center. Um, So, you know, his opportunity for defensive stats is is great. Well, I voted for Nerlens Noel, so I can't (laughs) speak on this. Uh, Okay, my next one. The Chicago Bulls will make the biggest year-over-year jump in terms of this year's wins versus last year's wins. I think this is extremely possible 22 wins last year yeah i think they could win i think they could be a playoff team i'm i i continue to say i think they're better than the pistons i think that it is not really much you can like talent wise um i 
the the risk of Blake Griffin getting hurt, all, all those things. I think there's a strong chance they can move into the playoffs. At that point, they're winning 30, 40 games, like a minimum. Last year, 41 games got you the eight seed. Yeah. 41 wins. And I mean, you know, the Bulls weren't good last year, but they also had a ton of injuries and they had a coaching overthrow. Yeah, the coaching overthrow and their second, you know, in terms of total minutes played, the second guy on the team was Ryan Archidiakono. Yeah. Like, how many wins is well, that going to get player. you? Well, and basically, two. <laughs> and then after that, it goes Markinen, Robin Lopez, Shaq Harrison. More so, wins than the Suns. Right. Yeah. Can, can you believe <laughs> that? Um, so I think, you know, now that they have Otto Porter, you have Wendell Carter Jr., um, another year of Levine, who I'm really high on, Sagaransky's probably an underrated point guard yes. option, uh, especially someone who's relatively low usage. Um, you know, their their depth is kind of questionable, but I do like the Thaddeus Young Young signing as a guy who can play, you know, backup power forward, maybe some small forward, maybe some center, but just like marketing insurance, um, essentially. So I think I think there's a really good chance they could take a step forward. I agree on all accounts, and that's that's you know why I wrote this one down. I think they're another team that kind of has to show it. You know, they they have so much talent on paper, and these last two years have been really disappointing in terms of the final result. I if Monty Williams was coaching this team, I would feel really good about this. I still don't trust Jim Boylan. I don't trust that people are going to buy in. I don't trust that he'll modernize things. That's that's really their biggest drawback for me is the coaching. Um, but I love the Sadoransky addition. Right. It, it was a strange one, especially after drafting Kobe White. But to me, that that signals that they want to win this year. That, if they you. didn't, if they didn't want to win and they were content with another developmental year, you probably just split minutes between Dunn and and White and, and let it go. But I think they want to be the seven or the eight seed. I, I don't know that they get there. And, and this will lead into something I was going to bring up later, but I guess we can just talk about it now. We'll, we'll start with the East. Which, which team that most people consider, maybe not a lock, but a, a solid playoff team, are you not as high on? For you, I mean, I guess it's Detroit, but I feel like they're kind of borderline. And if you're going to say Detroit falls out, that would leave, leave only one spot um, for maybe Chicago, but Miami's going to be better. Atlanta, I think, would would be that team for a lot of people. Um, so, do you if, do those three teams compete for the eight seed, or is there another team that finished one through seven last year who maybe drops out? I, you know, Orlando and Indiana to me, I just don't. India, I mean, I'm sure Indiana will be fine. They're coached really well, but I mean, one yeah, once Victor Oladipo's back, they should be fine. Orlando, I don't know, I. I don't know how much I can trust Nikola Vucevic to uh, play 80 games again. Probably won't do that. Um, they, and didn't, they didn't do anything else. They added no. Alfaruk Aminu. And I, I just don't, <laughs> I just don't believe in them that much. I, I just don't think they really have the, the, the top end talent. If anyone on the team suffers a significant injury, I mean, if DJ Augustine, what, what happens if DJ Augustine plays 30 games? I mean, Michael what Carter you, Williams. Yeah, right. So MCW is your starting point guard. If Vucevic misses 15 games, which is certainly not out of the question, then you're running with like Mobamba, that he's unproven. Yeah. The Aminu signing, like that's fine. But I mean, there's just, I know they were good defensively, but like who on this team can consistently score? Right. Can consistently score. The, if you're going to say that they're, they're going to be a 45 plus win team this year, and I don't think a ton of people are saying that, it's, it has to be because Aaron Gordon or Jonathan Isaac or, I guess Markel Fultz take a massive step forward, right? Because it, it to me, this didn't feel like one of those teams that's on the up and up. You know, it felt like they kind of right. 
wandered their way into the playoffs at 42 wins and you didn't come away thinking like oh man this is this is one of those next teams in the east just give them a few years like because half their team is approaching 30 and you know their younger core gordon and isaac are good players but you don't look at them as potential superstars you know i mean even compare them to someone like pascal siakam you take siakam 100 times out of 100 it's not even close so I, i i just don't know what their ultimate ceiling is and to your point about the injuries Aaron Gordon missed four games last year. Evan Fournier missed one game. Vucevic missed two games. Augustine, one game. Isaac, seven games. Terrence Ross, one game. You're not going to find... That was their t- their top six in terms of production, minutes, everything. You're not going to find better injury luck at the top, you know? And I don't think Mo Bamba's really ready to contribute. Al Farouk is a nice player, but not someone who moves the needle for me. Like I, It just felt like everything broke mostly right for them last year and like i said unless you're going to make the case that one of those young guys takes a very big step forward i don't don't see how their ceiling is much higher than it was last year right and i know i know the nets got Kyrie, but are they that much better like no i don't think so i think they're about as good if maybe a little better than last year healthy levert and they won 42 games they were borderline they weren't even that good yeah so i this Kuruk suspension, yeah, yeah. Just, what does <laughs> that I mean? If the Nets, but if the if the Nets miss the playoffs, would you be shocked? No, not at all. Maybe they're the team. That's, that's this is why I'm asking. You know, I I would say Milwaukee and Toronto or Milwaukee and Philly are on a separate tier for me. Their locks. It would take a disastrous Giannis injury, and okay. injury, Simmons injury for for that to change. Even all even all the trashing I just did of Toronto, I feel pretty good about them. Toronto and Indiana to me are in a similar tier. They're low ceiling, high floor right you know you know they're not going to bottom out you know they're probably not going to win the conference boston you know could kind of go either way if everything breaks right maybe they're closer to milwaukee and philly um, but they're a solid playoff team you know that a lot would have to go wrong for that to change and then you get into to brooklyn and orlando and I, I think those are the two teams besides detroit who was you know barely a playoff team last year yeah i mean we Kyrie. i mean and Kyrie has an injury history too i Boy, mean that's he? the thing i he wasn't really a winning player before, you know, before his before LeBron came back to Cleveland. Um, yeah, he was Devin Booker. We can't. Yeah, he was. Uh, we can't really. I mean, we we haven't projected for seventy games. I wouldn't feel that confident projecting him for more games than that. Last four years, he's missed fifteen, twenty-two, ten, nineteen. Right, and so you combine him with Dinwiddie and you know Levert, who are really the only other offensive options, and they're both they they both have an injury history. Yep. I mean, there's a chance each of these guys plays like 65 games, um, and then at that point, like you're you're running into like serious roster issues as far as like who is yep. handling the ball on on an every night basis, everything like that. Are there any teams in the West that you feel similarly about? Like we just talked about with Orlando, uh, Portland. I I don't agree. I'm in on Portland. I I mean, I I want to be in on Portland, but at the same time they that i don't understand at all i mean they're they're small forward through center they're i mean yeah, three positions are like unsolved oh I, I know i know the nurkic thing I, I feel like i keep forgetting about that but like last year we went through the same song and dance they were their over under last year was 42 wins they won 53 and i, I mean is nurkic worth 11 wins maybe who do is you the who, drop to Whiteside that bad who do you trust on the on the roster other than McCollum and Lillard like anyone like to me that's almost enough like that's been enough these last few years yeah I don't think they'll win 53 again but I I think they I think they'll at least be a solid playoff team I don't think we'll have to worry too much about them I think it's gone too far in the other direction now I I don't know I just it's it's rough 
I just it, like I'm I'm high on Whiteside this season for like fantasy. Yeah, like I think he'll have a good year. They they are going to rely on him like a disturbing amount. I'm not convinced Zach Collins like going to make the leap. Um, the, here's another thing about Zach Collins. What is the leap for Zach Collins? You know, like what is what is a huge leap for him mean? He's not he's not somebody who can go off the dribble like he's fairly limited in terms of what his ultimate development is even in the best case you know right and he blocks a lot of shots but he also swats a lot of people's arms and like gets into foul trouble right. and it's like anyone in the league can block a lot of shots and get in foul trouble yeah. like that's not i just don't I, I never imagine a situation where you're dumping the ball into zach collins for a bucket so like a prime know? troy murphy kind of a <laughs> yeah, situation. rebounder troy murphy yeah no but, i mean i mean you're, you're kidding but that's that's kind of the point is he's his ceiling everyone is always like oh i love zach collins but what what is the best case for him i don't i don't think it's all that great you know a sabonis type i i don't know either and you know i I like baysmore i don't necessarily trust him to to provide consistent offensive yeah. production same with rodney hood i mean hazonia's on this team are we, on this team are we sure anthony simons is you know elite um there's been a lot of talk. it feels like that's been decided already he just is it's <laughs> the only people who there no one else i've never heard a, another like i've never heard a media analyst a person outside of the portland organization be like you know who i'm high on anthony simons it's always like you know who the trailblazers yes. are high on anthony simons um yeah so i mean if he doesn't pan out then you're running into that <laughs> the is fact true. that we're saying if anthony simons doesn't pan out you have significant issues at guard yeah. unless they think mario hazonia's it does feel like attention. they let go of one too many forwards too <laughs> you know right. harkless maybe keeping him around would have been a decent you know even myers leonard who who is a part of the white side deal i know that's center for center but they it does feel like they need one more guy I'll, I'll hand that to you but they're another team like we said that that could end up being a beal team could end up being a kevin right. love team although i kevin love i get the portland connection I, you know he's from there um in theory a good fit i this is a team that already has some defensive issues i don't know if adding a high volume low efficiency offensive player you know, plus a guy who really struggles on defense is exactly what they need. No, but I would, I mean, your, I mean, your other option at power forward is like 30 minutes of Zach right. Collins and Anthony Tolliver. Like, I just think you yeah. would rather have yeah. Kevin Love in that situation. Yeah. I, I could see them maybe being backed into a corner and feeling like they need to do something and, and pulling the trigger on a deal like that. Okay. Another, a couple quick ones. Luka Doncic will make an all NBA team. I think this is really possible. Like, I, I think I was looking at the all NBA teams and there's always a chance Kyrie could drop out because of injuries. Um, there's a chance um, Kemba Walker yeah. maybe drops out. Well, let me give you my case. I think a part of it is that Doncic, I could see him being eligible at two spots like Anthony Davis has been in the past. You know, I, I think he could right. be he could get forward and guard votes and the league could just throw him on one of those. So it kind of in some ways enhances his chances. I think there's a better chance for him to get in if, oh, maybe. I don't know. I mean, Durant's not going to be on right, the Right. That's another one. So one forward spot is open. And Griffin probably doesn't need to be on the ballot. I mean, he might make it, but. Right. Last it, season seemed like a best case for him. Right. I could, You could see, you know, Russell Westbrook was yeah. third team last year. He could drop off. I mean, a guard, I, a guard Irving, Walker, and Westbrook, I think, are all possible yeah. casualties of just their situations and also if. if Doncic somehow I mean Doncic could average like 24 and 8 yep. and 8 next season I mean how you, you can't have you can't not have that guy in the all-nba team yep yeah I, I I think there's a very good chance that happens um if he didn't have the potential for dual eligibility I wouldn't feel quite as good about it because 
when you start looking at these lists, like it's really hard to to say other than someone like Durant who's in a unique situation, like this guy's going to drop off. Like even looking at first team, my next uh, bet that I had is that LeBron James reclaims his spot on the first team All NBA where he had been from 07 through 18. In that case, it's like you're basically betting that he's going to have a better year than Paul George because Jokic, Giannis, Harden, and Curry aren't going anywhere as long as they're healthy. No. I think he could have a better year than Paul George. Yeah, I, I would almost bet on that happening. Yeah. And the fact that Durant's not there makes me feel better about it. Right. And that George is probably going to miss. The, yeah. It seems like he's going to miss the first 10 games of the season. If to not me, more. it's almost a bet that LeBron plays enough games and is wins the tiebreaker over Kawhi, which in the past he has. Right. Um, yeah, I would, I'd, I'd feel relatively confident if LeBron gained the first team again, if there was a guarantee mm-hmm. he played 70 games. Okay, so I see the last thing you have listed here. Um, Lonzo Ball, most improved player. Yeah, what kind of odds would you need to take that? Given that we just learned, I guess this, this is relatively recent, we just learned that he, I think, I can't remember what podcast he's talking on. He said he had to change his, when he was wearing big baller shoes, he had to change them every quarter because they would rip. Um, no good history of knee and ankle issues yeah, for Yeah, I'm sure that's ball. not connected at all. Um, he, let's say he puts on the Nikes, plays 82 games. Um, I mean, what would you need like 10 to 1? I would need... I need to be confident that he's going to be wearing Spreewell spinners for me to okay. really feel great about this. I, no, I mean, he's as decent of a bet as anyone, right? I mean, it, he, I, I think for him, the bar might not even be set that high, you know, because he's been so right. injured and he really has only had a few sustained stretches of healthy basketball in two years that playing 75 games and looking pretty good for, you know, maybe st- he starts half the games alongside Holiday and, and just, you know, has a really good year, has seven or eight triple doubles if he's healthy for that long, which he has he has shown a propensity to do. He's been a good defender. Um, I don't think that's out of the question. I mean, I guess I wouldn't bet on it just because of the health issues. But, you know, the fact that we have maybe a little more confidence in his ankles staying healthy now that he's in less horrific shoes. Right. And if, um, he, can, and if he can just play... If he can, I mean, if he plays 35 minutes a game, I'm not sure I would bank on that, but I think it's possible for the Pelicans to be like, here, just, you know, yeah. stay out here. Because he's so low usage, just not like he's taking shots away from anybody yeah. that's out there. And, you know, I mean, we already saw him from, like, from a fantasy perspective, he was basically mm. a top 60 player. Right. If he can put up those numbers again, you know, because he could average a steal and a block or stealing yeah. a half and a block and, you know, seven assists, seven rebounds. How many guys in the league can do yeah. that? Um his main barrier is probably going to just be points because if he can't score 15 points that's going to be rough and i don't think he's getting 15 a game i mean it's almost impossible when you take one free throw every three games (laughs) which is that's a whole separate story but usually they don't factor in free throw rate into most improved player usually not okay let's talk first coach fired a few very juicy candidates i think this year but with that said probably not as many extremely obvious ones as in years past right um Although I think last year we had so many new coaches that it, w- it was tough to to do this exercise. But usually there's three or four guys you could say, like, I, I almost feel very confident that this guy's going to be fired. I, I don't know if I'd go quite that far, um, but I know you listed a few uh, a, a few candidates. So I'll let you go through those. Yeah, I had Jim Boylan, uh, Billy Donovan, and Scott Brooks. Um, Boylan just because, I mean, the I think the front office has given him a lot to work with. And if yep. they start off slow, if they start off like five and 10 or like 10 and 15, I just think it could be really easy for them to pull a plug, especially given what happened last season with the team mutiny and everything like that. Right. I, I don't think he's on the hot seat per se in terms of his standing with ownership, but right. 
my reasoning for thinking there's a chance he gets fired is halfway through the year, the entire team goes to Garpax and says, we cannot play for this guy anymore and they have no choice but to fire him. Like that's well within the realm of possibility. It basically happened last year, right? Yeah. Um, and then for Billy Donovan, like what's the point of having him there? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like some, I mean, these, these two last ones are basically just like, just let this guy go, like yep. let him free, like, you know, let him be with his family. Like there's no reason for Billy Donovan to be coaching the Thunder anymore. Yep. Um, and Scott Brooks with the Wizards, no reason for him to be around. He just, there, he has better things to do with his time. So, um, I just, I wouldn't, you know, I, those guys, he's not a rebuilding coach, not a rebuilding coach. And I feel, I feel like, you know, they might not get fired more as they're mm-hmm. just kind of get let go. Um, yeah, I think those are probably the consensus top three. Frank Vogel, I would throw on there just because it's the Lakers and it's LeBron. And oh, well, I forgot about he's that. He's just going to be on the hot seat game to game. Jason you, Kidd. Right. You just never know what's going to happen there. I don't I don't think they'll fire him, but it's certainly not unimaginable that halfway through the year they're at their 500. And what if they just swap titles between Jason Kidd and Vogel? They just go Vogel, hey, you're the assistant now, and then go get Jason. Like, you're doing <laughs> didn't head that coach with, like, Didn't Lawrence Frank go from head coach to assistant at some point? I, I think there is... Some sort of precedent for that <laughs> happening. Uh, and the other guy I had is D'Antoni, who I don't think would get fired. But I think if this Russ Harden experiment doesn't go well, which he clearly didn't want in the first place, and you know they kind of get off to a similar start to last year and it's just not meshing, you could just totally see him kind of walking away and, and saying, this is it. You know, He's kind of a sneaky old guy. Um, right. <laughs> it seems like he's been so close so many times that he's probably pretty close to being worn down. Um, and, you know, if, if it just looks like they're not going to have a real chance at winning at all this year, I wouldn't be like, shocked if he steps away. They fired his entire staff. Right. Without asking him. Without, right. The new owner doesn't seem to be on the same page. There's just, it, it does seem like things are, are working against him. Yeah. Um, and I, I think Houston will be pretty good. So I, I wouldn't bet on that happening, but not crazy. Can you name all seven Phoenix Suns coaches since Mike D'Antoni uh, left in 2007, 2008? Does Monty Williams count? No. Okay. Uh well, so Igor, yep. um, did did Gentry coach the team? Oh, did Gentry coach the team? <laughs> he sure did. He took over in 2008-2009 from someone else. The initial coach after D'Antoni, who only lasted 51 games. Oh, man. UW Stevens Point star. Trailblazer. Terry Porter. Oh, yeah, I would not have gotten that. Um, so you have Porter, Gentry... Kikoskov. God, who coached the team? Oh, man. That got right before Kikoskov. Who was that? I know the former player. Oh, was it Earl Watson? Earl Watson. Wow. Yes. Um, <laughs> he lasted all of three games in 2017-18. Yeah. Uh, if you get who took over for him in that year, which coincidentally Alex Len led the team in win shares. <laughs> Alex Len, two years after Mirza Toledovich led the team in win shares. I do. I am an Alex Len supporter, so mm-hmm. that's great to hear. Um, I got, no, I got nothing. Jay Triano took over. What? Don't remember that happening. This is according to Basketball Reference. Could be wrong. <laughs> um, so you're missing one more interim coach, and then one guy who coached for two and a half seasons, and led uh, the Suns to 48 wins in 2013-14. The year when they had like six point guards. <laughs> oh man, I don't think I'm gonna get either of these guys, honestly. So it went Terry Porter, Alvin Gentry. Gentry was eventually fired, and Lindsey Hunter took over. Uh, and then the new head coach, beginning in the 2013-14 season, was Jeff Hornacek. Oh, I should have gotten that. 
That's tough, too many tough coaches. all around, though. That's yeah. a lot of coaches. A lot of very bad coaches. I mean, the the Bucks kind of had a stress like that, didn't they? <laughs> I mean, or, it at least felt like Maybe. that. They pull up an incognito window here. <laughs> Are you talking like the Stotts Kristoyak years? Yeah, I mean, yeah. we got a. I mean, we got a Terry Porter. Skiles <laughs> at least lasted a little longer. But yeah, yeah, T. Port, the other Jim Boylan. <sighs> yeah, they never really found Larry Drew. They never found a real guy until Jason Kidd. You know, even when Skiles, Skiles coached for five and a half years there, and it, it I don't know, he, his best year was 46 and 36. That was the year they lost to Atlanta in the first round. And he, it just never felt like he was really the coach. No. Um, it certainly didn't feel like Jim Boylan was the coach, the other Jim Boylan, when he took over. <laughs> People forget Larry Drew coached that 15-win team that got them Jabari Parker. <laughs> <laughs> sure. um, Joe Prunty deserves mention, of course. But, yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a, a very fair comparison um okay last thing we are in the midst of a slow draft best ball league on fan tracks that you set up um you've been tweeting out some of the results so if you if you want to go on twitter you can you can see that um how do you feel about your team so far we're about four rounds in so i i like my team um except so i want to i want to tie this into the fact that steph curry went 15th um which was shocking i mean i also passed on him i'm guilty um i think it was a combination of a lot of things a 20 team best ball league you're really prioritizing i think health when you talk about 20 teams i yep. mean there's your bench players even in a best ball league they're gonna i mean when we get to round 10 it's gonna be just brutal i mean we're gonna be like well you know ante zizic um stays healthy <laughs> but you know his injury has i still 15th is is pretty rough i mean at that rate how many other guys are going to average potentially 50 fantasy points I felt relatively confident about Doncic. I'm like, hey, well, Doncic probably plays 10 more games than Curry. They probably average somewhere between, you know, 47 to 52 fantasy points each. Yep. So you um, took Doncic at 12. I took Doncic at 12. Um, and then I went DeAndre Ayton, um, which I felt relatively good about. I mean, generally in points leagues, I just want guys who I know are going to be high usage players mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, are just huge focal points of their offense. And, centers generally do well in fantasy because of the rebounding that's usually stays stable mm-hmm. assist can kind of be up and down steals can kind of be up and down and i went to bonus i don't feel amazing about that but he's just he's just going to play 30 minutes i think and his upside as his upside as a passer um he's almost guaranteed 15 and 10 uh could push 20 and 10 some nights if turner misses time yep. i'm pretty happy about getting lowry in the quote the fourth round which is really like pick 60 we should say it's a 20 team league yeah so i think i got lowry at pick 60 which i feel good about and i also i liked your jeff teague pick i think you got him basically at 60 you picked pretty close to me yeah he was he was a casualty um i think in a lot of ways of just being low in the default rankings yeah i had to scroll down quite a bit to find him i assumed he was gone um and with this being a slow draft and so many teams I, i think a lot of people are probably just picking on their phone and right. you know maybe not scrolling quite as deep as you would uh normally so th- i think that was part of it but yeah i was i was happy to get him i i would have liked to get someone a little better with my second pick uh than chris middleton but you know i, I, I picked fifth and took Jokic um in a league where you're obviously required to start one center i just i yeah. kind of wanted that um that that stability there uh but you can't complain i mean 31 picks later most most of the guys are going to be gone so i considered I think I considered DeRozan with my third pick um, at 45. I took Jamal Murray. Uh, again, health being imperative there. Sure. Um, still a little bit worried about how the minutes shake out, you know, with, with how good um, guys like Malik Beasley and 
Monte Morris and a healthy Gary Harris and a healthy Will Barton. Like there's just a lot of a lot of minutes, a lot of guys who expect to play minutes. Right. And I with us thinking Denver's gonna be a good team, you know, I I do worry that maybe there are some nights where he's capped at twenty eight minutes because they just don't need him. Um but still fine with taking him at forty five and then I went Teague at seventy six. So um still a lot of centers left over if you look at the top of the default player list. You know, it's, right now it's Horford, Lopez, Cousins, Gasol, and Harrell all at the top because with only one center spot, there's just really not a whole lot of reason to be, you know, to be stockpiling those guys. So it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. I think for the most part, there hasn't been anything that's shocked me. You know, Curry sliding was was interesting, but you know, when it's been my turn and I've I've checked the player pool, very rarely have I been like, wow, I can't believe this guy's still available. Yeah, I mean, it's also hard in a twenty team league. You can't really play like the ADP game where you're like, well, maybe if I don't draft this guy, he'll still be on the board. Because in our case, it's like we draft late. It's, I mean, you're waiting like 20 picks again in the snake format. Like, I can't be like, well, maybe he, this player will still be there. I just kind of have to take the best player that I think is within like 20 to 30 picks mm-hmm. of ADP. Um, the two guys I wanted to just highlight Terry Rozier went 43rd. That it shocked me initially, but you consider how big of a role he's probably going to have in the offense. And we have him ranked 45 yeah. as far as like when you take an consideration games played um you're talking for that specific format for points format. yeah, yeah right. for that we should clarify it's the yeah. points format yeah um, he was a we've talked about this before he was a tough guy to project but the hornets aren't going to average 60 points a game you know somebody is going to score a lot of points for them and it's hard to imagine that that person is not rosier right and steals are really valuable in points leagues yep and he has a pretty high upside given that and then Derek favors went 47th um but i, I mean this is a league with a lot of people who are you know like have been doing a lot of research they know Derek favors might play 30 minutes a game i mean he has a somewhat of an injury concern we have him ranked 69th uh, with 74 games played i think that's fair but i 47 kind of feels like a ceiling i don't know if i would take him there i'd probably ideally try to get him like in the 60 range but it's not not totally egregious mm-hmm. yeah I, I think in a in a league like this like you said where people are up to date on everything you know you're not you're just you're just not going to find the steals that you would find in your hometown league or things like that um but it's been a lot of fun and as soon as that's finished up which who knows when that'll be we are (laughs) we are currently at round four pick 18 um probably early next week at this rate you know (laughs) maybe big big nfl weekend and whatnot yeah uh we'll get an article written up kind of a q a with some of the guys in it and you know just kind of get a lay of the land with about i can't even i can't even round up and say a month and a half a little over a month and a half uh, until the start of the season anything else you want to get to i don't think so unless i mean you you have a position battles article up on the site i do i was gonna say we could break that down but you know we're already at 70 minutes so (laughs) go read that uh it's eastern conference position battles i think i highlighted nine different teams that have you know some some more important than others um you know for example who's going to start on the wing for atlanta guys like deandre hunter bembry reddish turner crab parsons not really sure how that's going to turn out the nets front court we talked about um so i kind of went into some depth on that and we'll follow up with the western conference next week we'll be rolling out our tiers rankings for each position next week so be sure to check the site for all that content
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.